1: three. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screens. If you're watching online, we'll put it up on your screens as well. Go to Colossians three, go down to verse 12. We're going to read just a couple of verses. Colossians chapter three, verse 12. I love what scripture says here in this part. And I think we should all really take our time reading it, listen to what the apostle Paul is writing. I think it serves us incredibly today. Uh, Go down to verse 12. If you're there, can you say amen? amen? Okay. The word of the Lord says this. In word or deed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him out of Colossians chapter 3 we're just reading a section but but let's talk about it for the next about 25 26 minutes the Apostle Paul here he says some very important things that if we really today focus for the next 25 minutes what what is God trying to tell us through his word I believe can help us especially when it comes to relationships, families, homes. I really think this applies massively in all of our lives today. As we're continuing in this series, Family Feud, this is part two. Today, we want to share a message that we've titled, The Prison of Poison. The Prison of Poison. Write that down if you're taking notes. and We're going to learn from Colossians chapter 3 together today and see what God has to tell us. And we're gonna talk about unforgiveness and i believe a lot of us need to today say god help me in this area of my life and i believe we're gonna leave out of here different than how we came in and i believe it's gonna be one of the best sundays yet amen Amen. come on why don't we pray ask god to help us today and then we'll talk a little bit about colossians chapter 3. father we thank you We thank you for your good grace, your love, your mercy. Thank you for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for this family. Thank you for this household of faith, this church family. Thank you for everybody watching around the world that's a part of the family as well. Help us today. Heal us. God, I pray that today you would break chains, you would open up eyes, you would heal souls, you would mend families. I'm praying that today you would do the impossible because you are the God of the impossible. Praying that miracles and healing would take. I'm praying that weights would come off today. In the name of Jesus, God, and that we would see you more clearly. We thank you. We love you. And it's in that mighty name of Jesus that we pray that all of God's people say. Come on. in All of God's people say. Amen. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. Family relationships are are definitely difficult. All relationships can be difficult, whether that's friends, family, um, marital relationships can be hard. And and sometimes difficulties in relationships can take you to a place of anger, resentment, bitterness. Anybody have that one family member that drives you insane right now? You know, are you sitting next to them right now? No, don't, don't answer that one. But we all have that one person that rubs us the wrong way or maybe it did us harm and if we're not careful it will take us to a place of unforgiveness and unforgiveness just drains your life right, right, yeah. we were talking about it during the week as we were preparing the message and we said have you ever been in a place where it just feels like everything's being drained out of you and we thought about one time about five years ago we were in our city campus we used to have a campus in Winwood, right before COVID and we used to meet in the school And one night after service, we all get in the elevator. We have to go downstairs to the parking lot. And there's about 11, 12 of us in the elevator. I mean, we packed the elevator. And on the way down, the elevator got stuck. Yeah, it literally got stuck. And uh, we all begin to like, you know, go crazy. Oh, my God, we we press every single button we can. Uh, People are calling 911 on the phone. Uh, Little by little, you just sense the atmosphere in the elevator, start to like change the temperature change it started to get hot some of us were sweating we were in there with jersey arlene arnold and tara who just welcomed their baby girl by the way and so congratulations to them the thing is arnold for 10 minutes wouldn't be quiet. And we couldn't even breathe in there. And we're like, Arnold, shut up. He's an incredible teacher, pastor. I absolutely love him. But we're all sweating. And, and so everybody's hot breath is filling the elevator. Condensation. Literally water's falling off the walls. We're like, oh my. is like claustrophobic. So she's like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I need air. And I'm like, babe, you're okay. Listen, look at me. The most handsome man in the world. Look at me. You're going to be okay. I got you. She was relieved immediately. And... Uh, <laughs> Like unforgiveness, it does the same exact thing. It just drains the life out of you.
0: Yeah, unforgiveness, I believe that what it does is that it puts a lid on our lives, right? It keeps us in a box almost, right? It prevents us from moving forward. It keeps us in a place where we begin to feel like we're just surrounded by these four walls and they're caving in and I can't move forward and I can't breathe because all I can think about is this situation, is this pain, is this anger that I feel because of what someone did to me? And, and the problem that we have when it comes to unforgiveness is that it keeps us in the past, it poisons our present and it robs our future. It keeps us in the past because it keeps our minds settled in that offense. It keeps our minds settled in that situation, in that event, in that in that moment, and how I felt and in that abuse. And that wrong that somebody did to me and the hurt that they caused in my life, it keeps us trapped in that situation. And so we can't move forward in our relationships. We can't move forward with our friendships, with our marriages, with ourselves, right? Because we ourselves haven't been able to move forward. So we can only go so far as far as that situation lets me go. There's only so much I can do and go in my relationship because I'm so being held back by that situation and by that pain I still feel. And so that situation begins to bleed into my present because now I, I bring it with me wherever I go. And so it poisons my present because now I live in bitterness. Now I live in anger. Now I live in hurt and pain and doubt not trusting anyone else, not believing that anybody else can actually love me, that I can actually trust and believe for a better relationship, it begins to poison my present. It changes my mindset now to believe that this is what life is like. And how many of us can really be honest here today and we can just say, hey, I I probably think about that situation and that person more often than I would like to admit. Right? Right? Things happen, I'm going about my day and then all of a sudden I remember what that person did. I remember what that person said. I remember how that moment felt. And so now it begins to rob me of my future. But because since my past now became my present now, I don't experience the future that God has for me. The freedom that he has for me. The hope, the joy because I won't allow myself to do it. Because my mind is set on what happened. My mind is set on that offense and that hurt. And hear me today, God has something great for your future. God wants you to find healing. God wants you to find restoration. God wants you to move on. God wants you to be set free. But now I don't look at my future with the eyes of faith. Now I don't look at my future with the eyes of what could be of the promises of God. But rather, I begin to build and shape my future through the lens of my pain. And now I begin to shape my future based on that pain. And I rob myself of every promise that God has for me because I have not allowed myself to let go. Because I have not allowed myself to believe that God truly has something more and let go and allow God to build my future. So we can't really receive the peace that we need and that we deserve until we let go of the anger that we hold.
1: I think all of us have been there, and for sure we've been there. And unforgiveness will just drain God's peace, God's joy, and many times the decision really—it's up to us—to say, "I'm I'm going to let this go, as hard as it is." And through therapy, through conferences that we've been to, through different research, you know what we've all come to find out is that sometimes the greatest enemy is our inner me—it's ourselves our pride and our ego gets in the way and so we don't seek out forgiveness we don't apologize we don't go and try to mend relationships because we feel it's all right it's all right we have to defend ourselves these these people they owe me something and and if we're not careful pride and ego will destroy homes will destroy relationships and it will rob us of everything that god has for our life And today, if we're not careful, I really believe that what we carry in our soul becomes the spirit of our home. Now we're walking in resentment, in anger, in bitterness. And so we show up in our house that way. We show up to family meetings that way. We hang out with friends in this way, just with a bitter, resentful spirit. It just happens. It creates the atmosphere in it. And our pride is like, no, you, you are not going to say I'm sorry. Because they, they need to apologize. You ever, you ever know, like, you, you should apologize, even if it wasn't your fault. Let's make peace. But you're like, why should I, apo- I apologize? last time. You ever, you ever felt that way? Oh, we got holy people at 11 a.m. No, they should say sorry first. I said it last time. And it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, just go. Or receive the apology. But pride and ego would get in the way. The thoughts of our heart easily become the spirit of our home if we're not careful. And today, as we're talking about family, whether you're here or online, I think immediately some of us, we start thinking about that person that hurt us. Today, there's some of us in here in actual pain. We know what it's like. We've been there. Some of us in here are watching online. You can already start to feel some of the trauma that happened, the pain that this person caused you but I don't know, I'm just here with good news because I know God is a God that heals. God is a God of new beginnings. Oh, I can tell you this morning, you don't have to live that way. There's a God who wants to give us a brand new future. I can't change the past, but I can't change the future. He's a good God. He wants to give me a good home. He wants to bless my relationship. Come on, somebody, let's believe that God can make it through, even through the feuds of our family and bless our homes. Amen? I don't know, but I just refuse to live in a prison of poison. I know God will As for me and my house. We will serve the Lord God. And we're going to have some difficult conversations. And, and yes, there's going to be stuff that rubs us the wrong way. But we're going to talk it through. And we're going to seek out forgiveness because there's blessing on the other side. Amen. In fact, we put it this way. Living in forgiveness means living in freedom. Today, are you living as a prisoner are you tied down to that anger, that pain, that trauma? We're not minimizing it. All we're saying is there's freedom on the other side. We've been there. God wants his people to live in freedom. Can I get an amen? amen. So we got to be careful the way we treat one another. This is what Paul is talking about in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians is one of my favorite letters that Paul wrote, and it's a beautiful letter. In fact, you should go home and read it. It's only four chapters. It's a short letter Uh, The church in Colossae was started by one of Paul's disciples. His name was Epaphras. And Pastor Epaphras started this church, and it blew up. I mean, they were doing amazing. They had Super Bowl Sunday, Dream Team, Grow Track. They were doing awesome. They were doing incredible. But Paul hears that there's a problem going on in this church. And that's because false teachers were coming in. And false teachers back then, one of the prevalent heresies was this thing called Gnosticism. What they believed was that Jesus really wasn't the son of God. He wasn't really all God and all man. And so they try to minimize who Jesus is. And so this church has a doctrinal problem, but it also has a practical problem. Because what you believe will determine how you behave. And so they, they started believing the false teachers... That Jesus wasn't really the Son of God, and they started to minimize Jesus. That's why, if you open up the book of Colossians and you start with chapter one, oh, Paul goes right at it. Paul is a preacher. And in chapter 1, he goes for He starts elevating Jesus above everything and anything. He says, Jesus, he's creator. Jesus, he's sustainer. Jesus, he's redeemer. And he starts elevating the view of Jesus for the people in this church. And he says, you have to understand who Jesus is. He is the greatest revelation that you can ever get. Is Jesus, the son of God. Because if you see Jesus as king of kings and lord of lords, then you'll live your life in submission to him. When you realize who Jesus is, you will submit your life to this king. And you'll live the way that Jesus lived. And so it affects the way we treat one another. And so the first half of the letter is doctrinal. The second half of the letter is practical. How do you treat your neighbor? How do you treat your family? How do you treat your wife, your husband, your kids? He says, if you know who Jesus is, then you'll treat your neighbors with love. You'll treat your family with even that one that gets on your nerves, right? Because our our beliefs have to show in our behavior. You you can't say you love Jesus and treat your family like they're less than. You can't say you love Jesus and think you're better. In fact, he actually uses these terms in Colossians chapter 3. He uses put off and put on. He's talking to them in their language because the city of Colossae was known for their textiles. And so they had a whole lot of clothes. People used to travel to this city to buy clothes. And so he's basically telling them, put off your old clothes. Put off the arrogant spirit. Put off the prideful spirit. Put on humility. Put on kindness. Put on gentleness. Today, what are we wearing when it comes to how we treat one another? If I say I love Jesus, I have to look like Jesus in the way I act. Now, we're not going to get it right all the time, but... But we should strive to this because my beliefs will determine my behavior.
0: Yeah, Paul is in essence challenging our relational uh, relationships according to our relationship with God, right? How do we view God? What do we understand of God? And I love that in Matthew 18, actually, Peter is asking Jesus a question about forgiveness. And he says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive? And he's trying to, you know, thinking he's being generous. He says, should we forgive seven times? And Jesus says, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Which means there is no limit to forgiveness. When you think you have forgiven enough... Guess what? There's a little bit more forgiving you can do. There's a little bit more forgiving we can do. And so as we speak on this topic, like Alex said, we're not speaking as people who are professionals in this. We're speaking as people just like you who get it wrong sometimes, who also struggle, who also have been wrong. That we have to make that constant decision to forgive, to let go. And so part two today, you're here and you're saying, Well, Diana, it sounds great, you know, beautiful, great message. I love it. But how do I do this? Like, what's a practical way for me to do this? Well, we put a few things together that I believe can help us get on the right track for us to learn how do we forgive? How do we move forward? And one of those things that we believe we have to do is that we need to release the right. Release the right. Um, the, the right to what? The right to hold someone to that debt that they owe me. You know, when someone's wrong, you, do, you, you feel like they owe you something. Like, you did this to me, now you owe me that's 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 the the definition of forgiveness is to release someone or something from the debt from a debt that they owe you right it's for us to be able to say hey you know what you don't owe me this anymore that is forgiveness and that is what God is calling us to do God is calling us to forgive and not to retaliate because how many of us know that that's a an innate nature within us to retaliate. You hurt me, now I'm gonna hurt you. You hurt me, so you better watch out because now I'm coming for you and I'm gonna make you pay for what you did. You did this. Listen, I cannot be the only one that's had these thoughts before. I know it's 11 a.m., we're in church, we raised our hands, but when somebody's wronged you, one of your prayers, you're like, Jesus, I am praying, I'm praying for my enemies. You're praying that God strikes them down from heaven. God, I'm praying for justice. God, I'm praying that you make them pay for what they, it's a real thing. It happens, right? And so the need to retaliate and for justice, it's there. I want to clear my name, God, and I'm not going to wait for you, I'm going to do it. But I love this because Romans 12, 19, it says, do not insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I will do the judging, says God. I will take care of it. Somebody's wronged you, God will take care of it somebody's hurt you god will take care of it somebody's lied about you somebody said some things about you somebody's abused you god will take care of it you don't have to see it to believe that god will take care of it because when we retaliate really what we're doing is that we're getting ourselves in this vicious circle because you can't really ever get even And I'm going to tell you why, because you think that by hurting someone who hurt you, all of a sudden it's going to make you feel better. Well, it might make you feel better for five seconds, but it's never going to change the damage that was done. That situation, it still happened. That hurt, it's still there. That moment, you're probably not going to forget it. So what you're going to do is continue to attach yourself to this pain. Now you're chained to this person and this situation that all you've tried to do your whole life is get away from. Now you're just attaching yourself to it. So retaliation, it's never a good idea. God is calling you and I to release. Release this person. Release this situation. Because as we do it, we're actually releasing ourselves. And that's the truth that God wants us to understand is that when I choose to forgive, it's not excusing what was done. It's not saying, hey, what, what, what you did to me, it doesn't matter. It's not saying that it wasn't real and that your feelings are not valid. It's simply saying, I am doing what God has asked me to do. Because as I release you, I'm actually finding freedom. I'm actually opening the door to healing. I love this quote by Max Lucado. It says, forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing you were the prisoner. I wonder how many prisoners are in this place here today. How many of us are still in prison because we have not released the right to forgive someone and let it go. God is calling us today to say release that right. Set yourself free. Begin to walk in freedom because freedom is what he came to give us. So you don't have to live attached to a feeling. You don't have to live attached to that situation. You don't have to live being slave to that moment in your life. But today is a day where you can find freedom. Today is a day where you open that door and you set yourself free. And you begin to walk in the things and in the promises that God has for you. We release the right. Because releasing breaks the cycle. But retaliation, it keeps us trapped.
1: But I think when we release, we're actually demonstrating that we live by faith. Because we trust that God will take care of it better than we can take care of it. Number one, release the right. Number two, I think we need to recognize the brokenness. What I mean by that is unforgiveness will keep us with a very, very small worldview. Right? Living in unforgiveness, we've been there, we've walked through it. It actually makes life all about us. Well, this person hurt me, and it's my pain, and it's my trauma. And although that is true, unforgiveness gives us a bigger view. In fact, it helps us to see humanity the way God sees humanity. I'm going to recognize that all people are broken. Unforgiveness takes us from three feet to 30,000 feet as we look at humanity and we say, well, every single one of us, we failed." Now, I know what I'm saying, maybe... It's not sitting right in our heart, and it's hard to hear this, to say, but, but you don't know my pain, you don't know what they did to me. I don't, but can we be like Jesus a little bit and realize that that person probably also was hurt? What happened in their life? They, they're broken, that person that hurt me, they, maybe what was their life experience like? Maybe somebody hurt them, they have their own share of trouble, of pain, of trauma, and what research has shown us is that hurt people hurt people. Yeah, for sure people have hurt me, but, but if I can just get a bigger worldview, that's just a hurting person. Doesn't make what they did right, but, but it helps me move with compassion a little bit more. Helps me get to a place of mercy and grace. And I may be angry, but little by little, that unforgiveness begins to leave and forgiveness begins to open up my eyes to live and see like Jesus I'm gonna recognize people are broken people are broken ultimately we're all broken recognizing somebody else's brokenness doesn't excuse their behavior but it helps you escape resentment oh I see their brokenness they hurt me they caused me pain they brought this trauma upon my life because they're broken and that helps me not to live in a prison of unforgiveness, resentment, and bitterness because God did not create me to live in prison for the rest of my life. So I'm going to recognize they're broken and I'm going to recognize I'm broken too. We can all act like we got our act together here today. Like we're good. But if we're really, really honest today, if we really look on the inside, some of us know we've hurt people too. Some of us know that we got attitude problems, our tempers flare, our pride has gotten in the way. Maybe we don't even know, but somebody may hear a message like this and the person they're thinking about is you. Honestly, we don't know who we've hurt. We don't know who we've offended sometimes by accident. But all of us are capable of hurting people because we're all sinners. We all have things that we deal with and our sin gets in the way and our sin makes us hurt people by accident. But it takes, it takes a life that understands sin and brokenness to see humanity with compassion. Do we live like this? And I know I'm broken. I, I love what Paul says. This is Paul, the greatest possibly evangelist after Jesus. In 1 Timothy, he writes, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of which I am the worst. This is Paul, the one who planted churches everywhere, the one who wrote 13 letters in our New Testament Paul's saying, oh, Jesus came to save us, and I'm the worst of them all. That's humility. Put on that humility and say, I'm capable of hurting people too. I know people have hurt me. I know people have done me wrong, but I can too. And so that's going to help me get to a place of forgiveness better. Oh, I know people are wrong, but I'm one of them too. I know people are broken, and I'm one of them too. In fact, I'm so broken, I'm so messed up. I'm thankful that Jesus even forgave me. Oh, I'm thankful that his grace and his mercy. Oh, come on. If we're honest, some of us, we know we didn't deserve forgiveness. We didn't deserve mercy. But by God's grace, by his love, by his mercy, by his blood, he picked us up from the miry clay. He put us on a rock. I should have been dead. I should have been in prison. I shouldn't be here. But by his grace. By God's grace, come on, in my standing? It's by his grace that I live. And so who am I now to look at somebody like they're less than? Wow. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Wow. wow. I'm going to forgive those who hurt me. I'm going to forgive those that have offended me. They've wronged us. They've talked about us. Family members, friends, each other. But I choose to live with forgiveness because I'm gonna realize we're all broken and we all need a savior, we all need Jesus.
0: That's why we all do and so as we talk about this, we remember that God is asking us to release the right. He's asking us to recognize the brokenness but I believe that he's also asking us today, one of the ways we can grow and really learn to forgive is to resolve to forgive, resolve to forgive. Well, what do you mean is that forgiveness, it's not an emotion. Forgiveness is not always going to come natural. I mean, I might forgive you if you step on me. It's like, sorry, okay, yeah, I forgive you. But the real, deep, painful areas of life, those are not easy to forgive. When you're sitting here today and you're, you're living in the aftermath of a trauma, of a situation that you haven't been able to move forward from, Forgiveness doesn't come easy. It's not something you just wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm gonna forgive this person. Forgiveness is a decision you and I need to make. It is a choice we need to make every day if we want to step forward into the life that God has for us, if we want to step forward into a life of freedom. We often say it here, we, we say that our feelings, they are, they're just great passengers, but they really are not great drivers. So I may not feel like forgiving, but I get to choose, and I should choose to forgive. Gary Chapman says this. He says, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a commitment. It's a choice to show mercy, not to hold the offense up against the offender. Forgiveness, it's an expression of love. And yes, it sounds nice that you're here saying, okay, Diana, but how do I resolve to forgive? Well, first I ask God to help me. Because I realize that I, myself, and my flesh, I can't forgive, forgive that easily. So I have to say, God, I, I need you to help me. I, I'm holding on to you because by myself, I'm going to want to do something else. that is it's not forgiving that person. And every day, I choose to forgive It's not a feeling, it's not what I want to do, but it's what I know is going to begin to open the door for me to find freedom and find healing. When I decide to forgive someone, it's not saying that what they did was okay, it's saying that my life is so valuable that I understand God has placed so much purpose inside of me, that God has placed so much destiny inside of me that I should not spend the rest of my life, chain myself to a situation, but that I can stand and say, God, trust in your promises. I believe in what you said about me and I believe that freedom belongs to me. I believe that a new beginning belongs to me. I believe that I can be set free from trauma. I believe that I can be set free from that abuse. I believe that you can do it but I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I may wake up the next day I may be going about my day and remember that pain. That day I choose to forgive again. And the next day, and the next day, until my mind, until my feelings begin to catch up with what my mind is telling it. Your feelings don't have to drive your life, but the Word of God should begin to drive our lives, should begin to be the ones that give us direction. So today, our prayer is that we will resolve to forgive because in doing so, you and I will find the healing that we so desperately need. But one of the things we need to understand is that forgiving someone, it doesn't mean reconciliation. It doesn't mean everything is perfect. If you're in an abusive relationship, it doesn't mean that you forgive and you allow people to remain in your life hurting you and taking advantage of you. We all need to have healthy boundaries. What are those boundaries in your life? What boundaries do you need to set when you can say, I'm gonna forgive you, but I need to step this way because I don't belong there anymore. So I want you to understand the difference. You can forgive without allowing certain people and allowing yourself back into certain situations. Unforgiveness, it is unconditional, meaning we should always give it, but reconciliation is conditional. So we can experience forgiveness while at the same time being wise and protecting our lives from more hurt or pain. Yeah,
1: even with family, for sure healthy boundaries need to exist there are some family members that continue to hurt us and cause pain and they're just toxic people and there's nothing wrong with healthy boundaries as long as I'm not living in prison I know I can't hang with them all the time but but I'm not in prison to what they are or to who what they did it's very good God help me I want to be free I want to be free and today some of us were there we're in that prison People have offended you people have offended us people have done us wrong Je- jesus said offenses would come jesus says people will offend us and it might be family it might be a mom or a dad that have offended you it might be a son it might be a daughter that has offended you it might be your kids i think i shared this last week several weeks ago somebody shared with me outside i haven't spoken to my family in seven years So fight in the family maybe for some of us it hasn't been seven years but it's been a A few days or weeks, months, where we've been carrying around unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, and it's caused problems. Offenses will come. What are we going to do with the offense when it comes? In fact, the word offense in our English language, it comes from the Greek word scandalon. Now that word scandalon, what it literally means, it's the part where you would hang the bait to catch a victim. In other words, an offense is Satan's plot so that he could trap us. That is what he uses to say, look, somebody offended you. So we would say, I'm offended, I'm trapped. Oh, here I am now in a prison of bitterness and resentment. But we just have to learn like, that's not what God came to give us. He came to give us a life of freedom, a life of healing, a life full of an open future and grace. Today, we just have to learn, I'm going to release the right. I'm going to recognize And I'm gonna see Jesus live like Jesus because forgiveness is costly. we were reading about how they would trap monkeys in the jungle and some tribes literally still use this today. What they do is that they set up a cage in the middle of the jungle and in the cage, they put this stick and they cover it with something sweet and the monkeys begin to smell it and they get close to it and they stick, they literally stick their hands in the cage, grab the stick and then they begin to draw it out And when they begin to come out, they realize the stick does not fit through the hole where they stuck their hand. And sometimes they'll be there for hours on hours and hours trying to get out, but they won't drop the stick. Some of us are like, oh my God, these monkeys, if they would just let go of the stick. But you know what? That's that's some of us. We're holding on to unforgiveness. and This other person is living their life, but Satan has us trapped. If we would just let go of the stick, we would enjoy the freedom that Jesus came to give us. But it is. It's a choice. Today, I'm going to resolve. I'm going to make a decision. I may not feel like it, but I'm going to make a resolve. I'm going to choose to forgive. In fact, it's what Jesus did with us. Why don't we stand up to our feet all the We're about to leave, but every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here today and you say, Alex, this sounds okay, but I don't know God. I'm so far from God. I don't have a relationship with God, and I don't know if God wants anything to do with me. Maybe you're in here watching online, and you say, Alex, you don't know where I've been, what I've done. You're right, I don't, but here's the thing. God does, and he loves you still. He loves you. He loves you. In fact, I really believe with all my heart that God loves you so much that he allowed you to listen to this today just so that you hear that. He loves you. He loves you. And maybe you're saying, Alex, but you don't know where I've been, what I did last month, last week, last night. I don't. But there's a God full of forgiveness, grace, and mercy, and he loves you. And he has new plans for your life. He wants to give you a new beginning and a new purpose. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. Every single one of us. There's not one perfect person in this place. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard." Every single human being, we're flawed, we're broken, we have sin. And the Bible says that sin leads to death. And every single one of us, we were on our way to death spiritually, emotionally, mentally, even physically. But Jesus came because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. Jesus came and Jesus grabbed my sin. Jesus grabbed your sin. Jesus grabbed all of our brokenness. And the Bible says that Jesus went up on a cross at Calvary. There he gave up his life. He lived a life that you and I could not live. And then he died the death that you and I should have died. There on that cross, he was stripped naked. He was whipped. He was crucified. And the Bible says they laid him down in a grave. Blood had to be shed for forgiveness. But he was the ultimate and last sacrifice. He was the only perfect one. He went down to a grave for three days but after three days jesus resurrected and we believe by faith he's alive today and he's offering new beginnings he's offering peace he's offering hope he's offering joy more than anything that this world can offer jesus can give you something better but every eye closed every head bowed. if you're here today you say alex i need that jesus alex i need forgiveness when every eye closed every head bowed whether you're here watching online you're saying alex I need a new life. I need a brand new beginning. I want to be saved. What do I got to do? The Bible says, "Put your faith and trust in Jesus." Romans chapter 10. Whoever believes in their heart and confess with with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. Whenever you eye close, every head bowed, here in additional seating online. If you're saying, "Alex, that's me. I need to be saved. I want to repent of my sins. I want a brand new beginning. I want a brand new start. I want a relationship with the Father. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus." I'm going to count to three. Everyone praying in a moment of privacy, in a moment of prayer. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Raise it up for a few seconds. Then you can put it right back down. If that's you, you're saying, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. At the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. You're saying, today, I need Jesus. I see you. I see you. I see you. God bless 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 you. Awesome. Awesome. You can put your hands back down. If you're watching online, in additional seating, you raise your hand. You say it on the chat. We got pastors and leaders there to help you. Whenever you eye close, every head bow, let's repeat this prayer together. If you raise your hand, say this prayer with me. It's putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. In fact, the whole church, let's say it together in one voice. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed, in Jesus' name. went up, hands went up across the auditorium. If you raise your hand, we have a free gift for you outside. Listen, it's a free gift. Don't leave this place without it. And I know we got popcorn, bounce houses, all that, but pick this up. It has a Bible in there, a letter from me and Diana. has a free coffee cup, a free coffee voucher, for circle, and literally it's free. We just want to help you start this journey with God. If you're standing next to somebody, raise your hand, take them out there and uh, make sure they pick that up. Amen. Thank you so much. Come on, let's give everybody a hand one more time okay why don't we lift up our hands we're leaving out of here we're leaving the building but never god's presence amen come on let's live a life of forgiveness and let's put it into practice this week won't be easy but if god is for us who can stand against us we need his help father father we thank you we love you thank you for your word god help us to put on humility put on meekness help us to release recognize and help us to resolve, to live a life of forgiveness, to be like you, Jesus. May your glory shine upon our faith, go before us this week. We love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name.